Moncrief on News Talk. Now, if you suffer from hay fever, you might have found yourself doing a bit of sneezing today with the amount of roses being carried around the place. But apart from flowers, people also tend to buy wine. Now, the wine brand 19 Crimes has just brought out a bottle bigger than the usual 750ml, which is aimed at throuples. Though there's nothing to stop couples buying it too. But why is the standard wine bottle that size anyway? Our resident wine genius, Leslie Williams, has the answer. Afternoon, Leslie. Afternoon, Sean. Um, yeah, right. So, well, we, we think, I mean, the best theory seems to be one lungful of air is enough to basically blow a bottle that's about 70 to 75 centilitres, which is the standard size of a bottle of wine. Ah. So, like, glass blowers, like, basically, you know, one big breath in, big glove of glass on the end of your, on the end of your um, um, straw thing, and then you can blow about a bottle. But the shape is different. We used to, the, the, shapes are, the shape that we use now is, is quite different to what the original, like, early bottles were often sort of onion-shaped or like a mallet, like a big, like, sort of square-shaped um, but oh. uh, yeah, so and, and the, the English sort of standardised it at 25 ounces, which is at one, which is about 70 cl. So that kind of made sense. And it was the EU that that, that made it um, standardised size for 75 cl. Bottles used to vary. I mean, champagne bottles used to be sort of they would be kind of 80 grams, 80 cl, and um, like sherry bottles were usually a little smaller. And so it really varied. It was illegal in England, in the UK, to sell, sell wine in a bottle because bottles varied so much in size and you might not get what you thought you were getting. Like, it could be thicker huh. in the inside than it was in the outside. Yeah. Until about 1860 and they standardised it. Okay, what did they sell them in if you, you couldn't sell it in a bottle? Well, well, no, but you would, you would maybe, you'd have a bottle, but they would measure it out, first of all, in, in, a, in some other way, in a, in, a, in a thing that was, you could see the amount in and then decant it then into a bottle. Or you'd bring your own bottle. And in fact, people collect these bottles which would have people's name on it, which would be their bottle, and then they would bring it along to the shop, you know. Yeah. Wine would be, when you were buying wine, it would all be in a barrel. In fact, there's uh, famous stories, you might like this one, actually. Um, there's lots of stories of wine mer- people who worked in wine merchants in the 1950s and 60s, and even into the 70s, where if somebody came in and asked for a bottle of Burgundy, they would go to the barrel in the back of the shop with the, and get a Bordeaux-shaped bottle. Sorry, I'd get a Burgundy-shaped bottle and then fill that, but if the same person asked for a bottle of Bordeaux, then they would just bring the other shaped bottle and fill that's the exact same barrel. That was quite common. Basically. Was it always the case, though? Did, did they all? If things were in in barrels, when did yeah. people start to discover? Oh, if you leave it in the bottle for a long time, it gets better. Okay. So according to the Oxford Companion to Wine, which I just was checking my figures here, the 1730s is when they reckon people realised that bottles improved, that wine improved in bottles. The bottle is, glass is great because it's inert. Unlike an amphora, which, um, which, is, which is not quite as inert, um, that's how they used to store. But you would always have had things like barrels and amphora to transport it, but then you need to get it out of that and you can't really bring one of those to the table. So then you would decant it into a bottle. But yeah, so, but, so the bottle shape then that we know it came about because it was realised that um, if you had a bottle filled with a cork, stopped at the cork, which is nice and airtight because it swells with the wine, and then you need that shape. So 1730s is when they reckon. Okay. Um, the, um, and the, the molded bottles then were invented around that time as well, maybe a little bit earlier, actually, I think. Um, yeah. To basically, like, they were the same shape, size, uh, so they would stack and so on, and um, and the color without and is you know the way like they're you know green or brown was that yeah. a factor on that too? Not letting the light at it. 
Well, yeah, that definitely, yeah, that was realised as well, that that light was bad. Um, and actually, if you notice, um, you know the way when you're drinking Cristal, Sean, Cristal um, mm. <laughs> comes in a clear glass bottle, but you'll notice that it's always covered in an orange foil to keep ultraviolet rays out and so on. Yes, yeah, so the, the colour of glass, though, is really just to do with impurities in the ingredients. So they were often, they were usually a different colour. There was a fashion for blue glass, which has kind of come back a bit. Nowadays, it's just tradition. I mean, Moselle is always in a green bottle, um, you know, um, you know, champagne is usually in a, in a heavy dark green bottle because that needs to be a nice thick bottle to maintain the fizz. Um, and for some reason, Sauternes and things that are always in clear bottles, even though they age really well. Um, but I presume you have to keep it in its box. But it, it, it's just tradition at this stage. And there is a few still unusual bottles. The Box Boitel, which is uh, the Franken wine, F-R-N-K-E-N, which comes like a little flask bottle, a bit like a small version of the, the Matthias Rose bottle, if you remember that one. Mm. Um, so there are still some unusual shapes that, that stick to tradition. And it's become a way for wine regions to, um, you know, distinguish themselves from others. So if you look at a bottle of Chateau to Pap, uh, you'll see the Pope's uh, keys, St. Peter's keys on the bottle, yeah. and the bottle or a Pope's hat. Um, and then the neighbouring vineyard, vineyards do something similar to make themselves look like Chateau de Pap, but they can't put the Pope on, so they'll just make it embossed with, you know, the Spijigandas and the, the village of Chateau de Pap. But if you buy wine in an unusual yeah. shaped bottle, are you to some degree paying for the bottle because it's harder to stack and therefore it's more expensive to transport. Uh, well, so, I mean, the Italians are devils for making bottles that are too tall to fit on, on wine shelves and wine yeah. shops. And that you can't, that, that don't fit in, in cellars. And, and they're also usually really heavy because, you know, design and all that kind of thing that they love. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, and you are often sometimes paying for a bottle. I remember once there was this really not very interesting bottle of a red Bordeaux aimed for the Chinese market, uh, made by a well-known producer, but it was like a ten-euro bottle of wine. But she was—that's what it was, that's what I bought it for. But it weighed about four bottles weight because it, it was reckoned the Chinese would, would think it was fancier with uh-huh. a fancy label. But it was just ordinary ten-euro wine. Um, wow! But I still have it. Actually. It was so heavy, I kept it. It was unbelievable. Um, these days, of course, we're all trying to go for lighter bottles. But interestingly, I was actually uh, visiting um, Torres Winery uh, uh, last week in Spain. Sorry to be dropping that, but. Um, but he's introduced a refillable bottle and it's actually had to go for a thicker bottle so it could withstand the washing because they were going oh. towards lighter bottles. But then for the refillable bottle for local restaurants, they're using a, a thicker bottle that basically allows them to refill it and so on. Yeah. Um, but bottles is really interesting. I mean, that punt at the bottom, we still don't really know exactly why that's there. It's probably to do with, you know, the, the, the bit at the bottom. You know, you can hold it to pour fancy. Yeah, you can put you your thumb in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we think that when there's a theory about that it helps the sediment settle in one place for pouring. I mean, for stacking bottles, it's useful. Um, but there's, yeah, look, it, it, a lot of it is, you know, we don't really know. But sometimes, sometimes when you're blowing, I think as well, that naturally formed and it strengthened the bottle when you had a, a sort of a punt at the bottom of it, you know. Hmm. I, I do, I, and is it silly, do all wine bottles still have a punt in the bottom of them? No, yeah. So it, that's we don't actually need it anymore. Um, it's just become a tradition. But again, people like it, and they it, it makes them an impression that it's fancier. So most German bottles, for example, don't have any. They're just flat in the oh. bottom, and they survive perfectly fine. You know. By the way, aging wine um, better to age in a Magnum, a double bottle, fifteen hundred cl rather than a seventy cl. That seems to be the magic figure. It ages a little too quickly in a regular bottle and too slowly in a bigger bottle. So yeah. There you go. Uh, Amelda, this is like Friday. Uh, Amelda says, I have a bottle of Moet. It's 12 years old. Is it still okay? It's probably is, yeah. There's only one way to find out, and that's to open it. It'll have lost, it may have lost a bit of fizz. It may be a, lot, a darker colour. It'll smell more biscuity, um, more bready, more yeasty. But I actually really like those flavours. So, yeah, it, it, look, don't leave it much longer, though. I'd, I'd open it. Yeah.
Uh, and somebody else yeah. says, Matthias Rose, the bedroom lamp of the 80s. Uh, in <laughs> exactly. Indeed it was. Leslie, thanks a million as ever. Uh, uh, Leslie Williams there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.